This podcast is part of the Garnet Media Group Podcast Network. Garnet Media Group is a partnership between the student-run media outlets at the University of South Carolina. For more information and to see more student work, visit garnetmedia.org. Hey guys, welcome to Adventures Beyond the Coop, the podcast where we hear from former and current Gamecocks who've done something a little wild. I'm your host, Chloe Barlow. If you like going on adventures, getting outside, or just want to hear a good story, you're in luck. This is the podcast where we know sometimes you have to get lost to find yourself. Welcome back, guys. Episode two. Here we go. I just want to say a quick thank you for all the love on last week's episode. Thank you for all your kind words and all the feedback. I really appreciate it. This week, I talked to Louis Rubino, who is a current senior at USC. If you listen to last week's episode, you might remember that James said he was going to be living on an organic farm of sorts. I think the word commune was tossed around. And Lewis is actually the founder of that farm. So I decided to give Lewis a call to get to the bottom of this whole commune organic farm business because I'll admit my interest was piqued. <laughs> so we talked about the farm, which is actually this massive 130-acre preserve in Pisgah National Forest. And we talked about the happenings on the farm, which have quite a range from, you guessed it, farming, to, you won't guess it, music festivals. Beyond that, we also had an honest conversation about the climate and conservation efforts at both the university and the state level, and how to get involved. And for my more creative types out there, we talked about Lewis's music career in his band known as Barelay. You'll hear about how he got his start, his journey playing around Columbia, going on tour, and how he plans to develop this further on the farm. So, today's episode really is a wild ride, and there's something in it for everyone. I think I've given it about as much intro as I can, so let's just get into it. Lewis, thank you for coming on the pod. Thanks for having me. Of course. Let's just get into your background. How did you get into, like, the outdoors? How did you find your passion for it? Honestly, not until I came to college, really. Uh, When I was younger, I kind of lived in a forest, and I would uh explore a lot and kind of just wander around but wasn't really encouraged by my parents they would get kind of mad at me for disappearing um and I and I never got really a chance to go camping or anything like that until I came to USC uh freshman year first semester joined mountaineering and whitewater club and um I went on one overnight trip with them and I just fell in love where was that overnight to Roan Mountain. So that's on the border between North Carolina and Tennessee. It's one of my favorite trips that we go on. Uh, Just like the sunrise is unbelievable, creates these like rivers of clouds between all the mountains, colors that you've never seen before. It's just incredible. So what was that experience like for you? You know, never having been like an outdoors kind of person, just what'd you take away from it? Well, first I knew that I wanted to do it a lot more. Um, I had just never felt as clear-headed and in the moment as I had when I was on the hike and when I was standing on top of the mountaintop. Um, and I had never seen anything quite as beautiful or like breathtaking as a scene like that, you know, just like that massive landscape of just endless mountains. Um, so really, I just it just sparked a passion that I wanted to you know develop and keep keep experiencing yeah absolutely so then how did you sort of build on that the further you went along in college 
Well, I mean, one, I just got as involved in the mountaineering group as I possibly could. Uh, so I was going to every meeting every week, signing up for every trip I could go on, trying to go on the most trips that anybody was going on each semester, um, and then eventually applying to become an officer and just, you know, working to improve the club. And then beyond that, um, adding new opportunities. So like I started doing some more intense hikes, uh, like multiple day trips, um, and going to, you know, just some more difficulty. I started rock climbing. I became a little obsessed with rock climbing for a little while there. Um, and then from there, I know I just kind of branched out to a lot of different things like mountain biking, um, and then tried to bring those opportunities to our members now. So now we do mountain biking trips in the club too, which is something we hadn't done before. Um, and then other than that, I got really involved in, I guess, environmental stewardship. So through like my passion through the outdoors, it kind of mixed with my anxiety over climate change. So I just became really passionate about um, like preservation and conservation and uh, just like climate activism. So did that kind of, in a way, inform like what you wanted to do with the rest of your life? Somewhat. Um, I knew that I wanted the outdoors to be a part of my life forever. I knew I felt most at home and at peace when I was like in the wilderness. Um, and so I knew it was something that I wanted to have as a part of me forever. And I guess mixing that with my passion for uh, kind of like community building, um, growing food is something that I only had started to explore probably two or three years ago that um, kind of melded with this passion for the great outdoors to give me put me in the direction to wanting to move into Pisgah National Forest and start my own uh, farm. Okay, so tell me about that. What are you doing? <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> uh, well, so I guess I could kind of start at the beginning where it started from. Um, so I've been a musician for my whole life. I started playing piano when I was five. Um, when I was 11, I started doing um, singing and playing guitar. And then I started playing bass after that. Um, and then a couple of years ago, I started playing the drums. But once I got to high school, I started writing my own songs. Uh, I, I became, a, I started a project under the name Sometimes Lewis. It's kind of silly. Uh, it was just kind of sad uh therapeutic stuff for you know me to deal with my high school angst <laughs> and then once I got to school I was struggling to find like musicians to play with constantly reaching out jamming with new people meeting new people um until I found like a really good group of people that I liked playing with who wanted to like grow as musicians um and kind of like work together and as a bunch of us started developing our own uh projects we were like oh we should kind of work together um maybe we should, you know, start a record label together. Maybe we should move in together and like work on music together. So that's kind of where it started. We were like, yeah. And at the same time, we can have our own garden, grow a lot of our food. Then we're like, well, if we're going to do all that, why not we just move to a farm? Um, so then it just kind of kept growing these aspects of um, cultivating food, living in the outdoors, and having a music career, a music community, uh, just kind of growing in conjunction with each in conjunction with each other, to basically be now where we're planning on. Uh, well, we started the record label Valley Bear Collective, um, and then we're planning on 
moving a bunch of us out to the farm, which is Valley Bear Farms, uh, which is in Pishka National Forest, about a half hour outside of Brevard. And so far there, we've been having music festivals. We had music at Midsummer, um, almost, I guess, well, yeah, over a year, no, not over a year ago, like half a year ago. And then we had Camp Transylvania during uh, Halloween. Both of those were huge successes. So now we're doing music at Midsummer again this summer. Um, and then come next fall, me and then some other people are going to be moving out there to really start the work and like start doing permaculture farming, um, prepping the land to actually like, grow things. And from there, just, I don't know, there's a lot, there's a lot that we want to do. You know, we want to have a recording studio there for artists to come in and be in the wilderness and be able to record just like isolated. And then also, you know, be able to eat our fresh produce um, and then from the food there we're going to be trying to sell to restaurants and um, farmers markets and all sorts of things that sounds really cool like so epic um would you call it like would you call it a commune we've kind of been tossing that word around would you say it's that or do you have a different term well to be honest at first I was full fully in on yeah this is a commune we're we're starting a commune right um, and then I started talking to some people who were actually in communes or people who had actually like began them, um, what their experiences were like, how feasible it was to start something like this. And everywhere I looked, I, I got back the answer, which was, you can't do this. Like, it's not going to work because one, if you want to still be tied to actual society and have things like phones, cars, um, it just doesn't work to also be simultaneously isolated because people have to do things like pay for their phone bill, pay for their um, health insurance, their car insurance, stuff like that. They wanna be coming in and out. You know, it's, it's not as simple as just living in a place and like giving up all of your possessions, which is what a lot of these communists do, um, which is how they can, you know, flourish, but it doesn't work when you also wanna be connected to the outside world. So now it's kind of more operating as a sort of, um, farm and music business where there's also people living on the farm who are also working under both the record label and the farm um, so i'm not calling it a commune because i don't want people in the surrounding areas uh, especially you know the people of appalachia who you know more or less are sometimes less open-minded towards those types of things uh, to judge us or you know but also i'm trying to be honest you know it's not really a commune yeah. Now it's, more, it's more of a private business now, but um, with the goal of creating community and with helping um, everybody around us, basically. Absolutely. How did you uh, how did you pick the spot? Like, how did you pick Pisgah National Forest? Well, so <laughs> originally I wanted to do this out in Colorado, um, and this is back when it was going to be a full fledged commune as well. Um, and. I mean, for one, Colorado would have been a little probably better place to have something like an actual commune. Um, but when looking at land, thinking about growing things, uh, realized it was going to be more, far more feasible to, um, one, just to grow things in the Carolinas because you're not getting snowed in and you're not, you don't have these like harsh temperature differences. Um, and then also... So I've been going to Pisgah National Forest for a couple of years now on just various like backpacking trips. And I just absolutely fell in love with it. I think it's one of the most beautiful places in the world. I mean, it's like, 
it's a cradle of forestry. It's just so biodiverse. There's so much happening around it too. And so in terms of like outdoor activity, like mountain biking, whitewater rafting, um, rock climbing, whatever you want to do. Um, and there's a lot of really cool like communities forming around there. And I figured if we're going to have like, if we're currently working on building connections throughout the Southeast, it would make sense to kind of uh, stick around here and do what we're doing down here. Um, so I started looking at a lot of properties um, around the area. And then eventually this was just one that we found that we settled on that was just, it was just perfect. I mean, it's just got like an open valley and then surrounded by nature preserve, um, hiking trails going straight into Pisgah National Forest desolate enough that you feel like you're in the middle of nowhere but you know still within a half hour of civilization there's a gas gas station 10 minutes away but that's like the closest thing um so it just felt like a really it just felt like a really good mix between being in the middle of nowhere and still being somewhat connected to society how many acres is it uh so it's 130 um the 100 acres is the nature preserve um so that's pretty much like all wooded um, that is right up against Pisgah National Forest. And then there's 30 acres of field land. Kind of an awkward question. How did you, how are you, how are you funding like buying it and starting it up? Not an awkward question. It's fine. Um, so part of the reason I'm doing this in North Carolina, actually, to be quite truthfully, to be quite truthful, most of the reason I'm doing it in North Carolina is I was planning on moving out to Colorado and simultaneously my dad was selling his business um and he said well mostly my mom said if you do this in the carolinas we will fund it because we love you and we don't want you to leave us um so basically by <laughs> dangling over their heads the possibility of me them pretty much never seeing me again um you know they, they agreed to fund it with so i'm kind of doing a lot of it um as a kind of joint venture with my dad because uh, he sold his old business. So he's looking to do something new. Um, and also it's kind of just been my goal to take what is available to me, uh, like resource wise and make the most of it as possible to help as many people as possible. I think that's beautiful. So what is, um, what's like your big picture dream for this farm? Big picture dream. Um, well, there's a lot of different aspects that we're kind of working on establishing. Um, one is, you know, just continuing with the music festivals, um, having a fully operational permaculture farm that we're able to feed ourselves, our guests, um, feed, you know, sell to farmers markets and to restaurants and provide ingredients to um, like multivitamin companies um, and like herbal supplement companies. Um, and then provide like educational experiences for um, just whoever is interested in that sort of like alternative lifestyle. Um, and then also bringing together like that community of, you know, permaculture, um, outdoor enthusiasts with the music community and the art community, um, and just like fostering the collaboration between, you know, ideas of environmental stewardship and um, art. Um, and then, so, you know, there's a, there's a lot, I don't know, there's, I could go on and on with all the aspects that we have, you know, we want to do like think tanks, we want to host um, things for like sustainability seminars, um, all sorts of, 
you know, all sorts of stuff. Our most, I would say though, our most, our primary revenue will most likely be like hospitality. Um, so we're going to be opening some cool like Airbnbs, um, some interesting cottages, um, little villages in, inside of it, just to give people like a weird uh, experience that they've never had before. Um, but the overall goal is really just to create that community um, where everybody can help each other be successful, where people have the option to live an alternative lifestyle uh, connected to nature, uh, grow their own food, um, treat their bodies how they deserve to be treated, and you know, focus on mindfulness, um, art, and I guess community in general. Um, so I think that's the big picture. There's like so many different ways I could go from that. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard to like boil it down to something simple because it really does feel like a um, a spider that just like extends in every direction, um, like just like this big web. Yeah. How did you learn all of these different like styles of farming? So I first became interested um, in gardening a couple years ago. You know, I don't even, I don't even particularly remember how, um, but so that once I started getting interested, I was just, you know, reading books about like different, um, different ideologies when it comes to growing food and like what it does for you. Um, you know, mentally and physically. Um, and then I did, I uh, did the master class that I believe his name is Rob Finley has. Um, he's known as the gangster gardener. So basically um, it was just all about urban gardening um, and community gardening and basically like using, um, cultivating your own food to empower yourselves, empower your community. Um, and then from there, I took a uh, permaculture course. Um, don't exactly remember who offered it, but it, it was just like a general permaculture co course about, you know, the ideology, uh, the processes, what it looks like. Um, and then a lot of it has been experienced. So I've um, done some volunteering with the Sustainable Carolina Garden um, and then visited a lot of gardens and farms around Columbia and around South Carolina in general, um, just to see what practices they're using, um, you know, what works for them, what doesn't work for them. And then other than that, um, so I started two community gardens with um, the help of my friend Dalton from the Sierra Club and then some other community organizers. Um, so one of them is called the Pinehurst Garden. Basically it supplies produce um, well, actually, I, I mostly use it just to teach people how to garden. Um, you know, I show them that it's pretty easy and that they could do it themselves. Um, but also, we supply some produce to the Schoolhouse Road um, Farmer's Market, just basically so that they can sell good veggies for extremely cheap. I'm talking like massive things of collards for like $1. It's, it's amazing. Um, just because there's not a lot of options for stuff like that over there. And then another community garden uh, we started at the Pine Ridge Middle School, um, which is um, basically teaching the children that they can also, you know, garden at home easily, um, that veggies are good and that it's better than their school lunch and just getting them outside, showing them that 
you know, giving them good role models to continue their education and continue into college. Um, I mean, I could go on and on about, I think that's the most fulfilling thing I do with my time every single week. It's just like my favorite day of the week, Wednesday morning, I go to garden with the kids. It's, it's absolutely incredible. Um, and then other than that, I've been recently doing an independent study um, with a soil biologist, uh, Buzz Clute at the school. Um, so I've just been learning about, you know, some of the more uh, microscopic things that are happening in the soil and soil biology. Um, beyond that, you know, it, uh, it's just been experience, I guess, experience and learning from everywhere, you know, just, so just a little bit of everything. I know that's a long answer, but it, it really has just been like a little bit of everything. Long answers are good. They're encouraged. <laughs> so you started the, um, the community gardens, right? You and Dalton. Yeah. Yeah. So we got, um, grant money from the Sierra club, um, to, you know, basically just put them towards whatever projects we were working on. And we're talking about the Sierra club at USC. Well, so, uh, so like the Sierra club, uh, so, I mean, Dalton and I, um, we're part of the Sierra Club Student Coalition, which is like the student version of the Sierra Club. Um, but we work with um, the Midland Sierra Club. So they're like our local chapter. We work with the state Sierra Club, you know, for South Carolina and then the national Sierra Club. Um, so a lot of times the money can come from either three, you know, uh, Midland, state or national. Thank you. Thank you for clarifying that. So how can students at USC who want to help their environment and who want to participate in you know these community gardens and learn more about environmental stewardship how can they get involved well there's a few ways um you know that's actually something that we've struggled with getting a lot of students involved with because you know there's only so many people we could bring to a garden um and then we a lot a big part of the sierra club has been the divestment campaign which was basically um urging the educational foundation to um, look into and start a committee about basically pulling their investments out of fossil fuels and just seeing what our connection to fossil fuels is. So now what we're looking for in terms of involvement is just people who are looking to carry on um, these efforts after people like myself and Dalton graduate this semester. Um, so right now we're just if people were to reach out um one on the sierra club to contact us either dalton or myself um on our garnet gate there should be contact information uh basically if they want to get involved with coming to garden with us every week um learning more about the garden and perhaps uh being able to take it over themselves in the following semesters and then also we are gearing up to start our next campaign which is um basically uh, pressuring the university to renegotiate their contracts with Dominion Energy to include uh, more renewables um, and higher efficiency standards. Um, and that is a big project. Um, and unfortunately, all the people who are passionate about it right now are graduating. So that is definitely something that um, I would highly encourage people who are interested in you know, renewable energy and actually like leaving an impact on the school uh, when they leave it to reach out to us. Um, Do you want to talk about that campaign that you guys are starting? Because it sounds interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, so the city of Columbia has a 
uh, plan called 2036 Envision. Um, so basically, uh, in this plan, they have committed to shifting to renewable energy um, to run all city buildings um, and like infrastructure and transportation by 2036 uh, to transition to renewables. And um, the organization CPAC, um, they're basically in charge for making sure that city council, um, you know, it meets these sustainability requirements um, and they, you know, help them draft the plans and legislation and stuff like that. And basically just uh, keep, you know, the city government accountable for making Columbia a green city. Um, and so what we are trying to do is work in parallel with CPAC as they're trying to get, um, you know, or urge the city along towards renewable energies. We're going to be um, moving the university, which is one of the largest consumer, if not the largest consumer of energy in Colombia, um, to do the same. I'm glad you talked about that because I didn't know about any of that. So that's really cool. So we've talked about you being an environmental steward. We've talked about community gardens. We've talked about the farm um, and a little bit of your own background with like hiking and getting outside. Now I kind of want to shift. And I want to talk about your music career. Yeah. Yeah. So you go by Barelay. Just tell me, tell me about, you kind of told me how you got started, but tell me about uh, where you play, what kind of music you play, like what you're, what you're up to with it. Yeah. Uh, since I got to USC, um, I have been playing at like New Brooklyn Tavern because um, they would always have like the open mics and acoustic nights and stuff like that. And once I started playing those shows, they like would sometimes invite me to, you know, open for other shows and stuff like that. Um, and then, um, so, you know, that was just me playing my originals. Uh, I wasn't really bare lay yet until um, maybe three years ago about or something like that, probably kind of around the time that I got uh, interested in gardening. Um, I was like, okay, it's time to take this seriously. If I wanna do something with music, I have to start treating it like a real job, you know, I, and I can't just, you know, mess around and, and not record or, you know, I wanted to start recording, putting out music and stuff like that. Um, and I met this bassist uh, who I had previously met on Facebook, like from our freshman class Facebook page or whatever. And then I randomly saw him four years later um, at a party and then happen to see him the next day at the Riverwalk when I'm walking there. And I'm like, okay, we need to like get together and jam, you know? And then since then we've been playing together, he plays upright bass. Um, my, his name is Shane Thomas. Um, so he plays in Barelay with me. Um, and then since then we've just, you know, we've played a few shows at um, New Brooklyn Tavern. We did, um, let's see. We did music at Midsummer, which was my festival that I hosted, um, and then Camp Transylvania as well. And then we've added some other people here and there. So I had um, some people on keys, um, had a banjo player for a while. That was wonderful, Miss Banjo. Um, and then we um, went out and recorded at Dark Horse Studio. We did a like live studio version of my album uh, called Bear Lannis Murder of Crows. Um, and then since then, you know, I haven't really played in many pl like places as Bear Lay. A lot of times I'll just do like other little 
uh, gigs and stuff as just like some random offshoot projects and stuff. Um, but I went on tour over the winter um, up the East Coast with uh, basically our sister band, uh, Misfits of Ugly Hollywood. They're also under our label, Valley Bear Collective. Um, and so that was an incredible experience, I suppose. It was also massively stressful. Um, so we were just, I think, so we played in Richmond. Um, well, obviously we started our kickoff show at Bang Back Pinball um, in Five Points, which was awesome, so much fun. Um, and then we moved up the East Coast uh, all the way up to New York. Um, and we had no idea there was a uh, virus surge happening. So a bunch of our shows got canceled and it was kind of miserable um, because I guess we all had our heads under a rock just trying to prepare for the tour not realizing that, that the world was shutting down again. Um, so that kind of sucked. But uh, now that we're back, I'm looking at a lot of new places that we're gonna be looking at uh, to play. Um, for example, I've been talking to like some art gallery directors about playing in the art galleries, um, getting in some Greenville shows, Atlanta shows. Um, so there's a lot, a lot looking to play a lot of new, uh, new places soon. Um, and then kind of shifting over to a string focused band. So I am adding two violinists uh, in addition to my upright bassist, and then just like a percussive um, element. So somebody on like djembe and uh, tambourine and stuff like that. Where did the name come from? Um, so it's not really exciting. <laughs> you know, like I I was just kind of playing around with like the idea of um, the word barely. Like I thought it was a cool pun, like like B-E-A-R-L-Y would be a cool pun, you know, as a band name. Because um, like barely even what? Like I don't know. And I like bears. I like the great outdoors, you know. Um, and sometimes I feel like, Sometimes I feel like if I had a spirit animal, it'd be a bear. Cause like, I just, I don't know. Some people just for no reason at all, like think get intimidated or something like that. Maybe cause like I'm tall and like have a beard or something or like, I don't, I don't know what it is. But so sometimes I feel like a bear <laughs> and I like to hibernate a lot. Like I'll sleep for days on end sometimes. Like, and then I'll just like work for days on end and then sleep for days on end. It's awful. Um, <laughs> but then, so I was like, all right, this is edgy. Like this is like encapsulates the emo sort of vibe like a little bit. And I was like, barely, right? And then I said, well, I need a full name. I want a stage name. I want a first name, last name type thing. Um, so then I sort of just separated it and bear lay. And that was it. <laughs> Why could I so see like your spirit animal being a bear though? Like that makes so much sense. Oh yeah, it totally is. No, like teddy bear vibes. Like you think it's intimidating and it's just not. It's just Lewis. I just like love everybody, you know. She doesn't wear shoes, just walks around. Well, I've been wearing shoes lately because people don't respect me apparently, so. (laughs) Wait, what do you mean? (laughs) I was just like, I actually was just talking to somebody about this today. Um, so like, you know, I was going around like barefoot for like years. And why? Why going around barefoot? Yeah. Uh, just because shoes are constricting. They're like kind of pointless. And I like being barefoot, like feeling the ground beneath me. And I get, you know, like it's hot down here. I grew up in the north. So it's, it's just it's just gross down here <laughs> and I like to be barefoot. I feel like I'm gonna like resort all the time which is great um which is part of the reason I came to USC just because it feels like you're at a resort all the time so I'm like all right I'm gonna be barefoot then yeah duh um 
but then uh just recently I just like it's been a bit of a hindrance on my confidence (laughs) you know I just like to talk to new people where I'm just like just don't feel like I can because I'm barefoot and they think I'm just like some dirty hippie um and then also just some people just think I'm a dirty hippie don't respect me so I don't really like that I want to be like taken seriously you know especially by like some you know some of the art scene people who are quick to judge sometimes you know you got somebody explains to me like that you're kind of playing a game with society you know like you're weird and crazy on the inside you've got to like somehow come to an agreement where you know you give a little bit to fit in just so you, so you can get what you want out of it you know um so i've been wearing shoes <laughs> Here's a weird question that I was just thinking about. Do you think like if you're like a really artistic person and like you kind of have that vision, you're always going to be like a little weird? Um, yeah, I guess. Well, okay. I think most people are like pretty weird. It's just like, it's just that like a lot of people do a really good job hiding it or like are pressured enough by society to just completely avoid it in general um but yeah no I think I think like the more unafraid you are to express yourself which is what art is right it's just expression so the more unafraid you are to express yourself the more unafraid you are to just be yourself and be absolutely weird as possible um it's, it's funny like because I, I won't see some friends for like a few months and then I'll be hanging out with them again and then I'll just like be being a, a weirdo I don't know screaming I like to, I scream a lot I don't know why um and they'll be like man I just forgot you're like literally insane <laughs> and I'm like <laughs> yeah well you know who isn't <laughs> no because like what what is art if it's not like a what is art if it's not a deviation from society's norms, right? And so I feel like to be an artist, you kind of have to be willing to be vulnerable and like let that side of your artistic self out. And so I think it's just inherently, if you're good at art, if that's what you believe in, if that's what you love, like if that's at your core, like you're going to be a little off your rocker maybe. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't have a rocker. So. <laughs> <laughs> so curious, who are your musical influences? Oh, this is easy for me. Um, number one, Phoebe Bridgers, of course. You know, she's the queen. I love her to death. Um, Damien Rice was a huge one um, for when I started, like, really, when I really started, like, Barrel Light, like, Damien Rice was, like, one of the big ones. Um, Alan Stone, um, Eddie Vedder, of course. Um, and then... Smashing Pumpkins, I've always loved the Smashing Pumpkins, like, they're a huge one for me, because uh, it depends, like, I take a lot of inspiration um, for a lot of different things, I guess, um, like, because I like to play a lot of different types of music, um, so, like, I like, you know, some hardcore music, <laughs> and then I like jazz, but then I also like indie folk, and that's kind of what I normally play, um, so it really does just come from just about everything um I I think most of it does come from like the singer songwriter type people's though that like I just their songs were so pure and like raw that I just felt the need to express myself in a similar fashion 
What's your favorite lyric you've ever written? Oh man, uh, <laughs> dang, um, that's a hard one. I can't. I don't even. I don't. I don't think I could. <laughs> I don't think I could answer that one. That's like. I can make it easier. What's your favorite song you've ever written? <laughs> Is that harder? Um, uh, I don't know if it's harder, but it's definitely just as hard. Cause I, you know, I've written a lot of songs. Like, and I've only published like like probably like one percent of them you know like I you know I'm, I'm writing songs like I churn out at least one a week and then usually just like throw it away you know um but out of the stuff I've released so far because I so I released my first album um I think are it you was literally like, looking through your discography yeah right no I, I literally am <laughs> looking through it because I can't I can't do this um <laughs> I, I released my first album in 2021 it's called The Backpacker um and those songs were songs over like a few years that I had written um man Spots and Blooms is a really cool one um because I think it's like the most I have a hard time not directly saying exactly what I'm thinking sometimes when I write sing songs. Like sometimes people are like, man, you should really cover this stuff up because everybody can tell how messed up you are right now. Um, and, and I'm like, I don't care, whatever. But I did write this one song, Spuds and Blooms, which kind of talks about toxicity in um, relation to like foraging, which was, which was cool because, you know, I became passionate about foraging for things like mushrooms and greens and stuff like that recently. Um, so, you know, that was a cool like intersection. I guess this whole album is kind of this intersection between my passion for the outdoors and uh, for my passion for music. That's been something that like I really wanted to do with it. You know, it's literally called The Backpacker. Um, so a lot of it comes from like is inspired by that like crossover between um, like hiking, rock climbing. There's some stuff about rock climbing like hidden in my songs. Um, and then like also just like dealing with life this is such a weird question but um and I definitely didn't plan it but have you heard those TikToks of like people plugging synthesizers into uh mushrooms <laughs> yeah yeah I feel like that would make a really cool like like song like if you put it in the background <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's some avant-garde stuff right there I used to really want to create like the weirdest music I possibly could um and then I just did a 180 and I said I need to make simple music like I'm just so tired of being so stuck up about what I'm making and like I just want to pick one chord progression and do the entire song over that one chord progression and then like that way it's easier for me to actually say what I want to say you know yeah are you guys working on any songs right now do you have any coming out Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, I'm gearing up for my second album. Um, I have pretty much all the songs written. It's just been rough getting all the parts written out for all the string instruments and like actually getting myself to record everything. Cause recording is just the most tiring process. Like it just takes everything out of you. It takes all day to do one song. Um, and, and it's just, absolutely exhausting because you're trying to do everything so perfect and you have to do everything a million times over again and then sometimes you'll just spend hours working on this one thing and then just go destroy it all so it, it's it's a hectic process um 
but yeah so I've been writing a lot <laughs> I've been I've been trying to get these ideas like put together for the next album um and I think you know we've been playing some of the new songs uh during our sets recently and we played some of them on tour um a lot of them now have to do with um well I don't want to spoil it um not that you know not that everybody really cares but there there it's kind of it's not like a really concept album but the it does follow kind of like the, how the backpacker has the the whole theme of um you know mixing like life experience with outdoor experience um this one's kind of a mixture of that self-experience and like exploration with um today's apocalyptic kind of uh air to it you know so do you listen to like Hozier uh not so much anymore but he was definitely uh an inspiration to that um what's that what's that album that like has all of his best stuff on it uh, oh the first one I yeah his first album is like oh it's literally just called Hozier well yeah. it's, it's that's one of my favorite albums it's great I was at one of his live shows like before the pandemic at a township auditorium and he was talking about one of his songs off of his um newest album or newest then and he was talking about how he um he wrote the song with the idea of like how do you love someone and how do you like love life when you're also at like this kind of 11:59 like quarter to or like a minute to midnight kind of doomsday clock thing and that just reminded me of what you said yeah no definitely <laughs> that is yeah it's, it's heavy it's 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 a whole I mean I that's like one of the things that I've found myself just like bursting with inspiration from is just like this massive impending catastrophe <laughs> that is looming over literally all of us um Seems like you're doing a lot to help it, though. I mean, we've got the gardens. <laughs> I guess. I mean, there's only so much, like, a person can do. You know, I've kind of learned that it's, uh, there's a lot of institutional change that needs to happen that uh, more or less may not happen. <laughs> but I try to be optimistic. But, and I just, like, I've kind of realized that the most impact that I can have is just in my direct community um I can't save the planet I'm just not going to like it's not going to happen and it's not worth giving myself anxiety to try to save the planet but I can at least like protect this little paradise and create a community um around alternative living and just you know sort of get what I can like give what I can and get what I can from life yeah I like that what I like to ask everybody all of my guests to uh, end on is what advice would you give freshman year you? Uh, I mean, it's kind of hard because I definitely look back at myself freshman year uh, with a healthy amount of disgust. <laughs> um, because, you know, I mean, I was barely a person, you know, like coming out of high school, you don't know who you are. You don't know like what is real what like what to think about anything you have no like concrete opinions fit, like formed about anything um at least I didn't you know I was just so like clueless um and 
I think I tried, I think I carried over some of like my um, kind of old, my high school and like middle school insecurities about like fitting in and being part. Like I was like always okay being absolutely weirdo, but I also like wanted to be accepted and be part of some sort of group. And I think that kind of played a role in how I acted when I first got to school. Um, so I guess, I guess like I wish I could have accepted myself sooner, but I mean, I came to anyway, you know? Um, I, I honestly, like I'd give myself advice, but then I would have changed things that I probably won't want to change. So I, I, I honestly just not even talk to the guy. You know, that's the thing too. Like I, I would, I would, if I saw myself in my freshman year right now, I'd just really like, get, get away from me, like weirdo, like honestly. Um, but if, I mean, on a more like materialistic point of view, I might've told myself to start taking my music more seriously, like from the get-go, because I feel like I'm like, am rushing to establish myself before I get, like before I graduate and like rushing to like get as much connections and stuff like in Columbia as possible, where I feel like I was kind of just sitting on my ass for the first two years of college, but also like I was dealing with a lot, you know, it was hard, so. Yeah. I feel like it all like comes full circle in the end usually. Yeah, like I, I'm happy where I am now, mostly. Um, and I'm like always, you know, working on growing continuously. And a lot, recently a lot I've been actually like looking back at how different I have become over the past few years and feeling genuinely proud of myself. So that's been, that's been a really cool thing. Um, but obviously I've got like a million more miles to go. So. As you should, King, you should feel proud of yourself. Ah. <laughs> Clarifying question. Did you graduate yet? No. So this is my last semester. I um, had a, oh, definitely include this because I want everybody to know that this is totally great. Um, I had a two semesters in a row that I dropped out. Um, I was just not having it I was miserable I wanted to be anywhere but college I was like get me out of here I'm transferring I don't care about class I don't care about anything and then I like was like dealing with issues with like medication treating anxiety and depression and stuff like that and it just wasn't working right and I was kind of like mixing around trying to figure it out still I'm um, still trying to I was still trying to figure out like how to control those things and like how to function like around them um so it definitely took me like a full year of just being like not a person to want to be a person again. Um, so now at this point, I am in my fifth year. I'm part-time so I can like, well, one, because I didn't have enough classes to fill my schedule, but also because I can work on Valley Bear Collective and stuff like that. But yeah, so take your time. Don't be afraid to drop out for a year, like, please. In the wise words of Louis Ravino, take your time. <laughs> Much thanks again to Lewis for coming on the pod. I didn't know that farming and art and conservation could all find a way to intersect, but man, does it create some beautiful stuff when it does. Make sure to check out Lewis's band, Bear Lay, on Spotify, and maybe catch a show if they're in town. Another huge thanks to everyone listening. Chances are, if you're hearing this, you know we're now on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Just in case you didn't, though, make sure you follow so you never miss an episode, and go ahead and rate us and leave a review if you're feeling fancy. You have no idea how much your support means to me. As always, check back next Friday for a new episode. And remember, 
chase your dreams, hug a tree, and be good. Bye, guys. Before we go, our music is Bad Nostalgia by Anthem of Rain, used under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International Public License.